Ashley. And I'm Justine. This is a weekly podcast where we watch and discuss romantic comedies, if you haven't noticed yet. We're 33 episodes in. Get with it, people. Our mission for this podcast is to learn about these misunderstood genre movies. Um, normally, we get these movies from Netflix and their genre list on their streaming site. But today, we are watching something not from that list. And why is that, Justine? Because my dad told us to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it. That's the truth. I mean, it's a good idea. He was a bit angry that we weren't covering as many movies. I said, it's not my fault. It's Netflix. And he's like, no, you should. And I was like, all right, Dad. Since, all right. You're the romantic comedy king. He's the expert. He's yeah. seen all these. Yeah. I can't. You have no frame of reference. So we're, we're watching Essentials because it's our podcast and that's what we're doing. And they're historically relevant. Yeah. They are indeed. Today we are back in the 70s watching mm-hmm. 1971's Harold and Maude. Oh. I feel like whenever, well, I, I said that to a few people and then they go, I've heard of that. A lot of people have heard of it, like me, and have never seen it. I think it was last night because I've been watching Gilmore Girls again because the revival is going to come out eventually soon mm-hmm. on Netflix. And they made a reference to it and I didn't get it. So... I think it was one of those that just went, like, way over my head when I was younger, Mm -hmm. so I'm intrigued. Yeah. All right, here is the Netflix description. Hounded by his mother to get out and date, death-obsessed teen Harold would rather attend funerals, but when he meets the feisty Maude, a geriatric widow who's high on life, they form a bond that turns into an unconventional romance. Somehow this reminds me of a John Green book. I could see that. This seems like, this seems like an 80s movie. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It doesn't, it seems like a British comedy as well. Like something with very dark humor, like Death at a Funeral. Yeah, I was gonna think that you would like this a lot because it seems dark. Yeah. I like the darkness. It's in my soul. Ashley has a black goth soul. (laughs) I just don't express it. I wear colors. (laughs) Okay, this movie stars uh, Ruth Gordon, Bud Court, and Vivian Pickles. It is directed by Hal Ashby. It's rated PG. It's an hour and 31 minutes. Perfect For movie timing. length. Yeah. And on Netflix, it's rated three and a half stars. I, I just have to... I love the names. The, mm. a, the actors' names. Yeah. This sounds like somebody like made all this up. For, like, a movie within a movie, but it's amazing. Okay, here's some nominations. At the 1972 Golden Globe Awards, it was nominated for Best Actor and Best Actress. That's it. That's it. That's all we know about this movie. (laughs) Yep. And there's death, possibly. Possibly death. Oh, you think it ends sadly? You know, I think it ends sadly, but in a a bright, what is that? It's like a sad arc. Mm-hmm. But it's got, like, this hopeful ending. Yeah, hopeful yeah. ending. Sad but hopeful. I think that's yeah. how it's going to end. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, but it's the 70s. Everything was really gritty, so. This is true. Let's go watch it. We'll be back, back soon. Jiff. Yeah. Go yeah. watch it. Yes. Okay, guys. I lied. My dad hasn't seen this movie. <laughs> he would like it, though. Yeah. From what I understand of your father, I feel like he would, too. Harold and Maude. 
I'm a little afraid. I feel... Okay, so we've been talking before we started recording this, and I feel like this is going to be one where once we fully, like, processed it and had a chance to fully, like, let it sink in into our souls, it's going to be one that we really enjoy, at least for me, I Mm -hmm. think. I just haven't gotten there yet, so I'm not... I haven't finished processing. Yeah. It's heavy. It's different. It's unique. It hits you in the feels. Like, heavy. Yeah. Side note. Is this our first death? Yes. We'll get to that later. Oh, the the DVD I got from DVD.com was a Criterion Collection DVD. It was lovely. It was a Blu-ray, too. Yeah, a Blu-ray Criterion. Like, I don't know what I'm going to get when they, you know. Yeah, they just, they give you whatever. Yeah, I mean, I have signed up for if there's a Blu-ray, send me a Blu-ray. Like, that's it. (laughs) It was very pretty. Yeah. Very nice transfer. Um, loved the menu. Mm Mm-hmm. Sam would have designed it. Sam definitely would have designed it. He would have painted it. Yeah, it's his, um, vector art style that he does. His, uh, minimalist. And it's a Paramount film. Okay. I, you know, I was really jazzed about this first scene. I loved it. I was amped this (laughs) first scene. This first scene was just, like, the way it was shot and the music. This is the type of movie that I love. It was like The Graduate on steroids. Yeah. But, like, progress the plot. Progress the plot. The credits were minimal. Yeah. Just like how... Well, I feel like now we were, like, back to, like, opening title sequences. Have you noticed? And, like, nowadays you got superheroes, like, it's a whole title sequence. That's true. Back to how it was. There was this whole stretch of time between probably this point and now where the opening titles are very minimal or they weren't there at all. I always just kept thinking how the font must have been so tiny on that print. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was like a 10-point font yeah. for the title of the film. Yeah. But it worked. Yeah. I thought that was amazing. I'm sorry. <laughs> no. As no. a filmmaker, you know, who we talk about and decide how the opening credits are. We just went and saw Deadpool twice now because we loved it. You should see it. It's lovely. They do, they kind of poke fun at the superhero opening title sequence. Yeah, see, that's when you know that you've, like, gotten too much. It's yeah. too grand. Yeah, is when people start making fun of you. Yeah. Though it's very well done. Like, you, I think you will love it. No, let's talk about this opening scene. We're introduced to a character. We don't see his face. We just see, like, his feet. Shoes. Feet, upper body. He's walking a little, Yeah. A little bit. As he's walking through doing different things, we see, like, more and less of him, but not, yeah. never his face until... Half- well, there is that very split second where you see half of his face. Oh. It, he leans in and, like, comes into frame and then leans back out. It was almost like a mistake, but it was kind of interesting because yeah. it, was, it was shot in a way to make you feel, like, uncomfortable because it's almost, like, alluding to horror in a yeah. way. Yeah, that's, a lot of this film was shot in a way to make you feel uncomfortable. Yeah. That's why I got a bunch of heebie-jeebies watching this movie. It's the 70s, man, the 70s. If you watch most of the movies from the 70s, you will feel uncomfortable. And that's what they were doing. They were breaking the whole studio system. They were inventing new rules. It was all a lot of the independents. They were just being artists and creating art. And, you know, a lot of art is uncomfortable. Yeah, and it's supposed to be because it's supposed to make you think. Yeah, so which is why, again, I think it's it's a once little once this sinks in. Yeah, it's a little too intense for us now. Yeah, 
living in our safe, you know, 2016 bubbles of shiny. I think part of it is that, and part of it is that we we've kind of lived in that that ebb, you know, the ebb and flow of art of where to show too much or where to show or where people are showing too much. Mm-hmm. Whereas nowadays it's it is a lot of very blatant messages like you get it right away yeah today there are statements there are a lot of political statements a lot of them are on the nose and i feel like a lot of them are sarcastic Mm -hmm. we're definitely in a generation of sarcasm in our art oh yes but i think our generation especially is a little jaded yeah this is like the 70s was just like nude body (laughs) this is what it is all warts you know everything yeah That, that that kind of making you uncomfortable now it's just yeah And I don't feel like it's not even like we're too desensitized to it. It's just that it's not as an outlandish of a statement. Yeah, because a a lot more people are doing, you know. Yeah. uh, I feel like maybe that's desensitized then. I don't take it as a negative Mm -hmm. to be desensitized. I feel like it's more of a comfortability with seeing the human body. Yeah. A lot of problems I have with movies these days and television shows is that they don't cast real-looking people anymore. Yeah, they're all either really fucking old or, like, in their 30s. Yeah, and they're beautiful, perfect human beings. Yeah. that's I like watching these old mo- Like, I really love Funny Girl because Barbara Streisand was, like, a human. <laughs> oh, and she was still gorgeous. Yeah. But she wasn't skinny. She wasn't, like, stick-thin. She didn't look like she had any eating disorder of any kind and her hair wasn't done by 30 stylists for two hours yeah it wasn't perfectly quiet her teeth weren't whitened yeah yeah her face wasn't makeup contoured you know it's just we live in uh, a society of perfectionists yeah and i mean because you can because you're on film i don't know it's just the attitude of filmmaking today (laughs) (laughs) i get what you're saying Whereas, like, this kid, Harold, he's a 20-year-old, like, baby face, gawky. He looked 13. Yeah. The fact that when we read that he was 23 when making this movie still, like, astounds and shocks me. This child looked like he was 13. (laughs) Yeah. And I thought he was great. He had a baby face, but he had a deep voice, you know? It was, he was just weird looking. Yeah. He was, like, baby... Tim Burton. Mm-hmm. Like, he was, like, he had the big eyes, like, Tim yeah. Burton character, too. Mm-hmm. That's so, what his acting was, was shaking with big eyes. Yeah. Just like, what am I watching? <laughs> That's what I kept thinking about. Like, what am I watching? <laughs> it's great, but it's different, and I'm so conflicted. <laughs> so uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> the opening scene, he's going through... We oh man, I love the shot where we first see him. He's lighting the candle. Just the camera go. It's such a natural camera movement, and I was just like, yes. <laughs> when I love that he was, you still didn't see all of his face. He was partially in shadow, mm-hmm. so he was still. You were still uncomfortable by it, even though you were finally seeing his face. Yeah, and then we see his feet again, and he's standing there. And I just I said out loud, "Is he going to hang himself?" Yeah. And he did. He did. (laughs) (laughs) Although, I don't know. Were we, like, peppered enough? I mean, we didn't really know anything going in, aside from what Netflix said. And they said he was obsessed with death. So I guess it kind of, it made sense. Yeah, but it also reminded me of Bedazzled. Yeah. (gasps) I was going to say that. Yeah, it was weird. 
weird. <laughs> but, like, weird in a good way. Yeah. See, it's just like, we can't, we don't have the vocabulary to express what this film was, I feel like. Yeah, the English language is very limiting at this juncture. Yeah, because every, I try to avoid saying weird in a negative way. I know a lot of people, and even if they say it to me, and they say, like, that's weird, I'm like, is that, do you mean, is it bad, bad or is it good? good? Yeah. Like, weird is just, it's different. It's not good or bad inherently. For me, I think weird kind of means, like, it made me feel something different. It had, it's like this little part of your brain that, of emotions that isn't used very often. Yeah, yeah. It starts, like, flickering. Yeah. And you're like, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, sorry, sorry to, like, longly describe, like, the feelings we got while watching this movie. It's just, it's just so different. But I think that's what it was going for. It was going for making you feel and question certain things. Yeah. The the themes were simple. Yeah. And they weren't blatant or obvious. You kind of you kind of went along that journey mm-hmm. with him, but also like you weren't bombarded with the message. I right. guess is what I'm trying to say. I feel like in the beginning you're kind of not sure about him, but then you start really rooting for him. Yeah. In a, not in the stereotypical Hollywood underdog way, though, because this is a quote-unquote blue blood kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Super rich. Super rich, can have anything that he wants. Mm-hmm. But all he really wants is his, his mother's love. Yeah, which they did in a different way, because normally it's very obvious, it's very, it's very flashy. Mm-hmm. Instead, this was very, almost kind of subtle. Of him wanting his attention. Or wanting her attention. Subtle by meaning, like... There wasn't, like, a big fight between them or anything. Yeah. It wasn't even really resolved at all. It wasn't established from the beginning that that's what what he was doing. It was a lot of figuring stuff out for yourself. (laughs) Yeah. So, that's why I say, like, it's... it's, He wanted her attention, but you didn't... It's different in that... In the regard that we're used to. Like, in movies, it's very flashy and big, and there's sometimes it starts off with this big, huge fight that they have, or they're always constantly having verbal sparring matches kind of thing. In this, it was very visceral and visual. It yeah. wasn't vocal. Right. Yeah, it wasn't... You just It was all about the mood. Yeah. So that's what... It was just prodding your, like, little mood sensors instead of, <laughs> you know, your visual or audio. Yeah. You know. <laughs> It That's was like, what it was like. <laughs> yeah, it was like you had to use a third eye, yeah, essentially to everything. It's very weird. It's just, and then and like that's what we kind of do as editors. Yeah, you caught one of the big things that I didn't catch: her tattoo. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know how many people noticed that because that isn't talked about at all. It's a really quick flash. Yeah, but that like she never talks about being Jewish. She never talks about having to go through a concentration camp, which would be why she is the way that she is. Like, it puts a very interesting meaning on why she is that way. This movie is a rush, man. Well, there's so many layers. Mm-hmm. It's like a freaking onion. <laughs> it's like, is it like Breakfast at Tiffany's? It's like Dark Breakfast at Tiffany's. <laughs> it's like Wes Craven and Tim Burton had a baby. Wes Anderson? Wes Anderson. The yeah. Wes Craven could be probably yeah. thrown in there, too. A hundred percent. He's, like, their weird uncle. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, you kids go have fun. 
And then Tim Burton and Wes Anderson are, like, in the corner, like, making Harold. Yeah. <laughs> and Wes Craven's just over there splashing blood on them. Yeah. <laughs> That's what this movie is! <laughs> Wes Anderson is in the corner and is like, no, we need more style. There's more, uh... Let's get more grand wide shots yeah. and pop music. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and Tim Burton's like... But close up on his weird face and make him open his eyes wider and start shaking. And Wes Craven's like, here's some blood and guns and disembodied parts. Let's just set him on fire in one scene. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. That's it. That's, That's exactly me. it. <laughs> now I feel better. Uh, yeah. It was missing that third element. Yeah. I feel better now. <laughs> It's dark, weird, and twisted, and horrific, but really pretty. (laughs) (laughs) And uplifting. (laughs) In ways that you haven't yet realized about life. (laughs) Sheer And I feel like... No, 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 I just wanted to add one more layer. Yeah, okay, go ahead. And then you went to summer camp with Kubrick. (laughs) We forgot about the connection. Oh, sorry. We did this off off camera. <laughs> off recorder. So, so. <laughs> say it, say it. What if? So what if? <laughs> Harold is actually Danny from The Shining. And he's just a little bit grown up. And it makes sense. All of the horrific things that happened to that poor child have now created this this boy you know missing father figure makes sense and his mother doesn't like seem to be any way shape or form affectionate to him because she was traumatized yeah just pretty much if you haven't seen this movie you've seen the shining you know how danny stands there all scared and shaking yeah that's what (laughs) that's what what harold does that was harold's acting technique (laughs) make it more danny just give it a little bit more okay throw some blood on it we gotta get going so yeah he hangs himself, and then his mother walks in. She doesn't even blink. No, she's totally unfazed. Yeah. Like, I was expecting, because, you know, the normal reaction is, what are you doing? What are you, why did you do this? Blah, 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 blah. And, like, hurrying over and cutting him down. Yeah. No, she just goes onto the phone, calls up whoever. Saying she needs to cancel an appointment. Mm-hmm. I thought she was going to call 911. Yeah. So this isn't the first time that no. she has seen her son. Yeah, and she starts talking to him. I don't remember what she says. Just that maybe that there's dinner is at eight, and yeah. he's just like... <laughs> yeah, he's really trying to get her attention. He just wants her affection. Come on, Mom. Come on, Ma. Then there's a disturbing dinner where he eats these, like... I think they're beets. Beets? Yeah. But here, he, he definitely looks like he's 12 years old in this. Well, especially because he was sitting down mm-hmm. in the chair... And he had the Beetlejuice, like, tie suit thing going on. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, he was, like, shaking and, like, moving things around on his plate and acting like a 12-year-old. Yeah. Then uh, his mom, this is, the editing in the scene with this movie was just like, next thing, next yeah. thing, next thing. <laughs> but not for, not in, like, not, like, in the case, like, Miranda was. Mm-hmm. This, like, had a purpose for that. Yeah. It was like, I'm done with this information, next. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, entering on a typewriter. 
Okay. Yeah. Ching next. Ching next. Yeah. Next, he's um, his mom like turns on the light in the bathroom, and the walls are just covered in blood. Yeah. <laughs> and he's in the tub, like looked like he's all hacked up with his throat completely. Yeah, his throat slashed. His throat slashed, and he had like cut his arm. Yeah. Slid it open. And really at, gross. Yeah, at this point, she's like, that's it. I can't take it anymore. You're getting help. To the therapist. To the therapist. So he's at the therapist, and the therapist wants to know what he does for fun, and he tells him, I go to funerals. <laughs> yeah, he goes on this really long, like, diatribe. He's like, what do you do for fun? What brings you joy? What brings that special passion out of you? What does this? And then he just deadpans. I like to go to funerals. Mm-hmm. And then he buys a hearse. Yeah. Ra- like, that was a random scene all of a sudden. Next scene, buying a hearse. Yeah. Next scene, goes to a funeral. <laughs> well, I loved the scene in between him buying the hearse and then going home. Because mm-hmm. it was him in the car wash, and it was so cool. Yeah. Very graduate. <laughs> but the, like... The colors through the water and the the windshield and him drinking that orange soda mm-hmm. was just really pretty. Yeah. I want that, like, as my wallpaper <laughs> for my computer. People are like, is this from Harold and Maude? What is wrong with you? Several things. <laughs> Seriously, if I ever go into somebody's apartment now and they have a poster of Harold and Maude, I'd be like, do you have issues? <laughs> You can carry around cards with, like... Tell me about your childhood. What's up? (laughs) (laughs) Did mommy not love you? (laughs) I mean, not that I would chastise somebody for liking it. But it just... I feel like now, if you... You just kind of have this interview on people of their opinion of Harold and Maude now. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's one of those movies. Well, and it's like... It's weird. It's so weird. Okay, we're not trying to judge. No, no, I think... I think it's interesting because the poster, the poster at least that I've seen of Harold and Maude, which is of him carrying a whole bunch of swords and like weapons and stuff, and then Maude is carrying a whole bunch of sunflowers and daisies. Oh, I haven't seen this poster. Oh, okay. I've just seen so, the DVD cover where it's just the two of them standing there. No, there's this, a- there was an actual like hand-drawn poster that they did, and it's, they're... It says, this is Harold and this is Maude mm-hmm. over the two heads. And it's, like, juxtapositioning him being death and her being life. Mm-hmm. That poster just on its own is just really cool. And I feel like, because this is a movie that I honestly had never heard of until we started doing this, until your dad, like, yelled at us about not mm-hmm. doing essential movies, I feel like if I had seen that poster, I would have been like, oh, this is a really cool poster I have no idea what it means but this is a really cool poster I would want to hang that up like that would be one that it would be just like it's so cool in the way that it did its juxtaposition and just how blatantly obvious mm-hmm. it took it with such a simple way but so I feel like if I saw that in somebody's house I'd be like have you actually seen this movie yeah like can we can we t- discuss this <laughs> like will you discuss this with me and if if they have, I feel like there there would be a genuinely good reason for them to have that poster hanging up. Like, maybe it meant something to them. Maybe it helped them through a traumatic time. Because mm-hmm. I know when you are having those, those thoughts, because people, especially when you're a teenager, I think, you do, you do have a question about death. Like, you do, you do want to understand mortality. Mm-hmm. Because I think at that age, you have developed enough to see death. 
but you don't understand it. Mm-hmm. So I think that's more of what he, what Harold's character is. He just takes it to that it, extreme. Yeah, it's obsession with yeah. death. Well, it's, it's, it's the obsession with death because he probably, what happened because his father died, mm-hmm. he probably saw all the attention that his father got in death that he used that. It's like people who have Munchausen's disease, which is they fake illnesses to get the attention from doctors because they never, they crave, they've never had that affection and attention that they need. And so you just, it's, I think it's something along those lines for Harold. Oh, well, he explains it when they're having the hookah party. Oh yeah, he does. But still, I don't think he fully under, understands it. Where? He's at a funeral and he just sees Maud in the distance. She's just like by a tree. She's eating very loudly. Yeah. And he's just, you know, you just see her, he's like, okay, and then just goes back to... The way the camera introduced her was really cool. Yeah. Um, because they're on the funeral, and they're in this big wide shot, and she's way off in the distance, and you just see her, like, eating acorns, I think, or some type of nut. And she's being rather loud. She's being somewhat, I guess, what you would consider disrespectful to mm-hmm. the funeral goers. And um, he, like, looks at her... And it's still in that wide shot, and it glance, it pans over to her, and then like goes back to uh, in focus on the the funeral, and then you, it does that a couple of times. We never actually see her up close in her introduction until uh, the church. Mm-hmm. The next one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So he just well, he goes back home, and his mom scolds him. I believe about the the hearse. Yeah, she's like that's a she, yeah. She thinks he's messed up. <laughs> He, well, he is, and that's her fault. <laughs> she so, needs to deal with it. He, he, she's like, just go see your uncle who's in the military. He'll, he'll help you out. Yeah, she's just like, you need this father figure. Here's, the, here's your uncle. Who was, she says, uh, General MacArthur's right-hand man in the war. Mm-hmm. And then we cut to his uncle, and he literally has no right arm. Right arm. <laughs> Oh, the subtle humor. Well, and also, so, like, through this whole scene, like, he's yelling at Harold, and Harold is, like, sitting in the corner of his office, just, like, afraid and frightened for his life, almost, I think. It was a weird scene. It was a very weird scene, because Nixon is on the wall, he starts talking about Nathan uh, Hawthorne, Nathaniel Hawthorne, not Nathan, and then, like, goes through this whole long diatribe about how the military is great and what it'll do for you. And then <laughs> the best part of the entire scene was when he pulls this string on his suit and the, the sleeve. Because when you're in the military and you, you lose a limb, you just pin mm-hmm. the, the sleeve up. No, he's got it rigged so that he can salute still <laughs> with his empty sleeve. Yeah, it's just the absurdist humor of this. It was awesome. It's my favorite. This is when I stopped taking notes. (laughs) Then Harold's drowning. Oh, yeah. And his mom goes for a swim in the pool where he is drowning. And she doesn't want to get her hair wet. She never puts her face in the water. I'm sorry, as a swimmer, you put your face in the water, even when you swim breaststroke. You just do. Then he goes to the therapist again. I don't know what they talk about this time or if anything. He asks him how, like, about his his fake suicide attempts. Oh, right. Like, how many times? And he, like, does the eyebrow, like, Oh, yeah. Thing, and 
he's like, if I had to, you want a rough estimate? And like wags his eyebrow. Yeah, he's a super weird kid. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, I'd say like 15. <laughs> I can't do it because it was so creepy. Yeah. So creepy. Then he's back home and his mom lectures him that it's time to be an adult and that he should get married. Oh, no, that she's decided. Yeah. Like, he's you're, going to get married. You're getting married now. Yeah. Pretty much, you're off my hands now. Yeah. I'm done with you. Let's find you somebody else. So then he's at another funeral and Maud's there as well and gets his attention and she's talking to him and getting to know him. He's semi, like weirded out a little or just he i think he has this like i think maybe weird respect for people who are mourning because he tells her straight up no you're like upsetting people please like stop at one instance and i can't remember what she says to that but it's like some existential like life meaning thing yeah she has a lot of those yeah there's a lot of really good like quotes just just about life. Modisms. Modisms. Oh, I like it. I like it. Mm-hmm. Add it to the blog. So then, like, uh, they're bringing the casket out, and they're outside, and then there's a parade going by. So it's the whole, like, visual life-death mm-hmm. thing that happens a lot in this movie. They're always parale- uh, paralleling it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Maud wants to meet up with them again. We should hang out again. Yeah. And she's getting into... A blue beetle. A blue beetle. <laughs> and she drives off with it, and this guy comes out and said, she just stole my car. <laughs> yeah, it's the priest. <laughs> she yeah. just stole the priest's car. And Harold is, like, confused, but yet elated mm-hmm. in a weird way. Yeah. And uh, I can't believe she just did that. Yeah. She's not beha- She's not acting normally, which is intriguing to him because he's not normal. Yeah. But he also... He's... I get, okay, the whole movie itself is basically growing up and learning to live life the way that you want to live life. That there really aren't these crazy restrictions that you're putting on yourself. And death isn't really the answer in the end. Like, it doesn't matter what how you die or when you die. It matters how you lived before that. Mm-hmm. And that's what Maude, I think, really tries to hammer home with him. Mm-hmm. Because she's fascinated with the funerals because she wants to understand how they lived. And that conversation that he's really weirded out about is she's asking, did you know that he did this Mm -hmm. um, at that funeral? And he's like, no, I didn't know him. So she has the fascination with the funerals for a completely different reason than him, which I really liked. Yeah, she also points out that he's 80 and she's going to be 80 like next week or something. Yeah, like it's the perfect time to die. Yeah. Because you've fulfilled your life, basically. Alright, so then he goes home again, and his mom set up this computer dating service, or she's setting up this computer dating service for him, she's decided, and then she's doing this little... Application. Yeah, application, she's answering all the questions for him, while he's sitting in the chair, prepping a gun. Yeah. (laughs) He's just loading this, like, it was like a a 9mm handgun, and as she's, like, answering these questions, one of the questions is... Do you sleep well at night? And she's like, oh, yes, I do. Quite well. Thank you. I liked one of the questions was, do you think a woman could be president? And she's just like, yeah, sure. I don't see what's wrong with that. But then another one is, should sex education be done outside of the home? And she's like, oh, no, we can't have that. No. No. (laughs) 
is there too much sex uh, sex in the media or is sex uh is the media trivializing sex and she's like yes, yes. <laughs> it's a very interesting like set of questions i think if i were to go back i would go back specifically to watch that because i know those questions have more meaning than what you're getting right off because when you first are watching it Mm-hmm. you're really focused in on him because he's got a gun. Yeah, and first he aims it at her. Yeah, so you're very much in his world yeah. instead of what she's trottling yeah, on Yeah, that's about. the whole disturbing thing of the movie and why we find it, because we're coming from the POV of Harold. Yes, yes. And he's a weird guy. <laughs> yeah, he's Tim Burton <laughs> in a nutshell. Yeah, and that, that's what makes it a little uncomfortable. If we were coming... From the position of Maud, you know, we'd be more comfortable with ourselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that whole uncomfortability with death yeah. conversation. Why he's so uncomfortable. So yeah, then he takes the gun and aims it at himself and shoots himself in the head and the chair goes flying backwards. And his mom is just like, oh, Harold, please stop it. Yeah, you're making a ruckus. Well, and I think of the bigger, when she he does point the gun at, at her he's expecting a reaction from her yeah and she doesn't look up no she's not paying attention at all when she's technically supposed to be helping him find a date yeah so i think at this scene at least specifically between them two this shows the most of why what the disconnect is in their relationship Mm mm-hmm agree then there's another funeral and at this one she at Maud takes Harold's car. Yeah. And uh she has a yellow umbrella while everybody else has black. Yeah. She's so cute. She's just a little sunflower of love. Yeah. She's like, Can I take you home? And he's like, It's my car. He's like, Oh, so you should take me home. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, she has a whole ring of keys that can open anything. Yeah. She said she went over to Europe somewhere and the original lockmaker Gave her a ring of keys. When she gets, this next scene, when she goes back home, she makes an offhand remark about there's too many zoos and prisons, and she says the whole world loves a cage, which just brings it right back to the concentration camp. Wow. Dude, she has such, these offhand remarks about everything. Whoa. (laughs) Sorry, mine just No, seriously. No, yeah, I thought. Requires a second viewing. Yeah. Like, I just thought that was just, it was just an accurate Yeah, it was comment. just a modism. Yeah, about life. But, whoa, with the added, the added thing. I'm really glad you caught that. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was, that's great. Sad. Extremely sad. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I love, I love when they do that. I love when the symbolism just isn't in your face. When it's so subtle. And the people who catch it catch it yeah she's got a whole big ring of keys she can't ever be caged in again mm-hmm. oh god <laughs> i'm gonna cry yeah i know i'm just gonna <laughs> hug her <laughs> jesus this movie you poor innocent little cinnamon roll yeah yeah so <laughs> he takes her to her house she's she lives in this train car oh god damn it <laughs> that's how they transported the jews train cars <laughs> What? Oh, she lives in it so that she's not afraid of it anymore. Oh, fuck. (laughs) (laughs) See? I knew. I knew as soon as we were going to start processing it all, it was just going to hit us. It has. (laughs) 
so she collects things, um, but she does. She's not attached to things, which is kind of like a Buddhist methodology. Well, I think it all again ties yeah. into not having things or. Oh shit! Maybe that's how her husband, because she talks about her husband. Yeah. And how she never says how he dies. You know, I didn't think I'd watch this movie again, but now I feel like we're going to. We have you <laughs> have to watch it twice at least. To just to get Maud. Yeah. Well, because they don't reveal, like, any of that until the end. Mm-hmm. So, like, you're watching it and you're just thinking, oh, this is just, like, a really eccentric, crazy old lady. Mm-hmm. Who's, she gives no fucks anymore because she's at that age where she can give no fucks. I can't wait to be that old. She has seen some shit, though. <laughs> oh, no, she has, but, like, just that, the the freedom that she has to just express her beliefs and that's the thing she she needs her freedom or she'd go crazy yeah <laughs> when did this get so deep like just right now <laughs> when we made like all of the 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 as soon as mom came connect- in yeah <laughs> oh shit we're broken i'm broken okay we got save the fucking blu-ray we gotta watch it again <laughs> i'm gonna buy it <laughs> wow <laughs> Wow. I can't, I don't know where to go from here. Let's just move on. He goes yeah. to the therapist. I think this is where the therapist asks him if he has any friends. Yeah, this is said, when he's laying on the couch. Yeah, and he says no. Well, maybe. Maybe one. <laughs> maybe one. And then uh, next we're at his house with the first date. Well, I don't even remember her name. She had a really cool belt. Yeah, really weird belt with a but basket it, of fruit. Yeah. <laughs> But it was, like, one of those, like, big ones that, like, hold up your boobs as yeah. well as, like, It was, like, a corset, a corset. Yeah. But a belt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, the thing with the dates is that the mom interviews the woman and then, like, kind of sets Harold up with them. Well, in this one, Harold was outside and he was covered in this robe and he just, like, waves through the window and they're like, hi. As soon as he, like, waves and, and he turns, you just slightly see the gasoline can in his hand. It's just, like, he's setting himself on fire. Yeah, we know the drill by now. Yeah. They're just talking, they're just talking about home ec and whatnot. And he's just, you just see him in the background of the shots, just, like, prayer. Through the window, yeah. And just gas. And then he lights himself on fire. And then the woman starts freaking out. And then he walks in. But, um, he set up a dummy. Yeah. And had dumped the, the stuff, all, uh, the gasoline all over him and lit it on fire. And so freaked her the sh- Yeah. She runs out. She runs out screaming. And he just has this very maniacal little smirk on his face. So then he goes, sees Maud. Yeah. Um. Naturally. That's what you would do. She shows him her art, all the things that she's created. There's a very, uh... What's the opposite of phallic? Yonic. Never heard that term. It comes from Sanskrit. Mm. It's like a um, the Sanskrit word for chalice, because you, we are the cup. Yeah. Essentially. Well, she, she's got some art. She's got a big, um, pretty much a driftwood carving that's kind of shaped like a vulva. <laughs> kind of? It is. Um, yes, it definitely <laughs> A vulva with labia. <laughs> yeah. And he just, like, reaches his hand inside. <laughs> and it correct, like, not, like, gently. It's, like, 
sexual. Massages it. Yeah. (laughs) He, like, gets in there. Yeah. And then he tries to fit his head in. (laughs) And rests it. And is just like, I think think he likes that art. (laughs) Well, I mean, he seemed very comfortable. Mm Mm-hmm. She's got other sort of inventions of her art through the ages, whether they are olfactory or sonic, you know. Yeah, and she has several paintings. She's not afraid of the naked form. No, lots of boobies. Mm-hmm. And or penises. There were, there was one that I noticed. I'm sure Paramount was really not happy about that. Maybe they didn't notice it. That is valid point. Then she wants to know what he does for fun when he's not going to funerals. So they have a picnic at a garbage dump. Because. More death and destruction. Yeah, he, it's where he's comfortable. Mm-hmm. So then she takes him to a greenhouse, which is, you know. The complete opposite. Life. And she talks about flowers, how she'd love to be a flower. Yeah, and she, you, you have this really lovely panning shot of all of the white daisies. Mm-hmm. And just, I wanted to be there. I wanted to lay down. Yeah. And just, like, have a good book, punch Edward Cullen in the face, and just chill. <laughs> I want you to have a t-shirt that says that. <laughs> what? <laughs> just want to have a good book, punch Edward Cullen in the face, and just chill. <laughs> <laughs> I can get Sam to make me one. I want it. Okay. Um... <laughs> She talks about how if she was a flower, she would be a sunflower. Yes, because she likes the sun. wants to know what flower he would be. And he pictures himself as a daisy because they're just all the same as every other one. Mm -hmm. And she says, no, they're all unique and different. Yeah, and really, I loved this quote. She's like, look at that one. Look how it's leaning differently for the sun. Look at that that one, how its petals bloom in a different way or mm-hmm. look that one has overlapping petal I oh. and I also like in the next scene when they're back at the, her house she's got a daisy in her hair mm-hmm. so cute so cute see it's a romantic comedy <laughs> <laughs> but really tragic it's a romantic tragedy it's a traumedy mm-hmm. she's talking about the past I didn't write down the details but she's saying about how she was kind of a rabble rouser and mm-hmm. fighting things off and she's crying a bit and he's crying a bit because they're getting you know emotional about it well because he's connecting with her like she's yeah. opening up this is the first like when we see him smile for the first time it's with her yeah this is the like first time. genuine smile not like creepy mischievous fucked up smile yeah it's and it's not even like there's not even like close-ups of it or anything mm, it's all in that two it's on that two uh medium mm-hmm. two shot yeah, you really, his change is very subtle. He starts wearing less black and... I didn't even realize that he wasn't wearing less black until the very yeah, end. super subtle. Yeah, because it's like, his coat stays black, but he has that one piece of the, like, when I started thinking about it, he has that one red scarf mm-hmm. that he has on. Uh, or he's got his the, brown pants now. Yeah, yeah, like, it's super, super slow burn. Mm-hmm. on that so she she just wants to cheer up she's let's play piano so she starts playing the piano and singing and it's the uh if you want to sing out sing out that's it if you want to be high be high it's the cat steven song it's the bu whatever yep bu yeah sing out sing out 
I love it. And then she stands up and it's a player piano. The piano is playing. She was pretending. And she starts dancing. And mm. he's all cheered up. Everybody's cheered up. And she gets him to sing, too. Mm-hmm. Which he does not want to do. I mean, I feel like he was into it. No, he was into it, but, like, at the, um, she asks at the church the first time that they, like, actually talk to one another. If she, if he sings. If he sings and dances. And, and he's, he's like, like, no, no. No. Why would I want to do that? So, it, again, it's, like, this really interesting, slow burn. Mm-hmm. It took us, like, an hour for us to, like, get hit by. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so she wants to know if he plays any instruments, and he's like, no, no, no. And she just opens this giant armoire, hutch. I don't remember this part. And pulls out the banjo. Oh, yeah, 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 okay. Yeah, I don't remember what that was in. It's a big cabinet, closet. It was the wardrobe from Narnia. Yeah. She had all these musical instruments in it and gave him a banjo and thought that would be suitable for him and chose him a couple notes. Um, and then we cut immediately to him practicing in his mm-hmm. garden at home. And it was cute. Mm-hmm. The edits were really good. Juxtaposition edits. The whole movie was juxtaposition edits. <laughs> the whole movie was just juxtaposition. Yeah. That's what they should have named it. Yeah. Juxtaposition the movie. Jux and Mog. Ah. So then his mom has a present for him and gives him a Jaguar. Yeah, he she gets rid of his hearse and <laughs> buys him a new car. And then we have this lovely sound edit of the blowtorch turning on, and it cuts to him with the blowtorch, and he just puts the mask down. Yeah. It was like, it's like in Star Wars, where, um, the new Star Wars movie, where the new, the new Darth Vader, what's his name? Kylo Ren. Kylo Ren. Like, when he did that, that thing, when he took off his mask. It's exactly like that scene with him and Rey. Um, I don't know why I'm connecting those two. Actually, you know what? Adam Driver, if they ever decide to make remake this movie, yes. he would he would be very good as Harold. Mm-hmm. I see that. Uh, yep. Maybe that's where, where the connection is coming from with him. Just a moody teenager. <laughs> Emo Kylo Ren. Forgot a scene somewhere where they're out for a drive and they find this tree in the city that she's lamenting over because it can't breathe. Yeah, because it's trapped. <laughs> Your face. As soon as you said, because it's trapped, you just went frown. <laughs> I'm like about to cry over the damn tree. Because the tree is mod. Because it's a baby tree? Because it's trapped. And it's tra- it was trapped. And she wants to put it in the forest so that it can be free. <laughs> Dude, this movie wrecked us. I didn't know. <laughs> it took so long. Like, I wasn't crying at the end. Like, at the end, I was just like, what the fuck did we just watch? And now I'm crying. <laughs> it took an hour after we finished watching the movie for all of this to hit. Oh, uh, we're gonna be, like, curled up in a ball in a second. I, I know. <laughs> the more we talk about it, we're just, Sam's just gonna come in and be like, you guys have been in here for two hours, we're just gonna be staring off into space. Crying. <laughs> okay, so then... He'll probably come in and shut the door very slowly. And yeah, leave go in. Yeah. <laughs> like, you wanna watch Harold and Maude? <laughs> they come up with this plot. They steal a truck, of course. They because steal, why not? Yeah. And they steal the tree. So they're driving, uh, this is all in Northern California. They drive through a, a toll, and they don't pay the toll. 
So the cops come. So there's a motorcycle cop after them. And he's like, what are you doing? Is this, can I see your license registration? And she's like, I don't have a license. I don't believe in them. Yeah. And he asks if this is her car. And she's like, no. Is this your shovel? No. <laughs> and she's like, cops, they're always getting in the way. And she like drives off. <laughs> well, I love the fact that when you were reading the trivia, that the actress actually really didn't know how to drive. <laughs> Yeah, all the driving shots of her are, she's being towed because she can't drive like me. <laughs> Although I could drive, just not legally. So like, yeah, she's just like, what? And just drives off and the cop is just like, what? And gets back <laughs> yeah. on the bike. He's like, what just happened? Yeah, so like he tries pulling her over again, but then she just pulls like circles around him. Yeah. And so he's like on the motorcycle and he's like falling off of it. So she escapes that way, and then they go and plant the tree in the beautiful, like, redwood Redwood forest. Yeah. It was so pretty. It was on this, it was this lovely shot of, like, magic hour, and the sun setting in the distance, and it has this really nice... It has a star filter on there, too. Yeah. So it had all the rays. Oh, it was so pop, it was popping. It's so pretty, and then it just slowly pans... Yeah, over and to she's them. Just like we're surrounded by life. Yeah, and happy and nature. Yeah, it's like Sam. That's what Sam does in the forest. So then they go back the way they came, and the officer sees them again. And I'm sure he was just like, "What these guys? Ah. What, what the fuck? Let us chase them." Yeah. So the cop stops them again, makes them get out of the car, and he's like, "Where'd the tree go? Where'd the stolen tree go?" And like we planted it. He's like, okay, okay, just get out of the car. And so Maude jumps onto the motorcycle. motorcycle. And uh, Harold grabs the shovel and hops on behind her, and off they go. Yep. And he's just, the cop is just like, what? <laughs> and looks at the car, and then looks back. Like, he's like, if you don't stop, I'll have to shoot. And he, like, puts the gun up on his, like, arm thing and shoots it. And then, like, is still looking and is just kind of like, what the fuck just happened? Mm-hmm. Looks at the car and then looks back in the distance and it's just like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> then we have the hookah scene and they're talking about life. She's teaching him how to live life and he exclaims, I haven't lived. Yeah. This is where he's really confessing. And he talks about it all started back in boarding school when he was mixing up all these chemicals and he caused a fire in the science lab. And he left, and he went back home because he thought, well, they're going to kick me out. He's never, yeah, he doesn't deal with confrontation. Like, he just accepts. Yeah. Or he he does what I do, which you believe this horrible situation is going to happen, so you just automatically accept, accept it. And then when that situation doesn't happen at all, you realize that you stressed out for no reason, and then you feel shitty. <laughs> yeah, that's Harold. That's you. Um, so he says, like, his mom was having a dinner party, so he didn't bother her and just went up the back stairs in their huge mansion. And later that night, cops come and tell his mom that he died in the fire because they couldn't find his body. They, mm-hmm. they knew he was in there and nobody saw him leave and he didn't report it. He didn't do anything. And he didn't, he saw his mom just faint and, you know, have emotion, loving emotion towards him. And it's the only time that that's happened. And this is where Harold in the movie just breaks down and cries, and he says, that's why I do what I do. He has perfectly good reasons. He's like, the only time she ever loved me was when I was dead. Mm-hmm. Oh. So then 
Maud gives him a pep talk and just about how you have to live life and get in there and play the game. But don't play the game. Play the game your own way. Yeah. And he tells her that he likes her and she says, I like you too. And it's adorable. And then they dance. And then they all live happily ever after and nothing else happens. (laughs) That's if you stop the movie there. (laughs) They're just dancing to the sunset and everything's okay. Nope, then there's a second date. Yeah. Date number two with what's-her-face Fern. She's, like, a farmer? No, she does paperwork for trucking companies. Paperwork for a trucking company that works for the farms in Petaluma. Which I've been to Petaluma. You have been? And at this point, he's turned the jaguar into a hearse. Yes. <laughs> Which looked really damn good. It looked cool. It looked very cool. I can't believe they only made that one and then they destroyed it. Let's recreate it. Okay. And at the end of the scene, with the mom going away saying, just clean yourself up and meet us in the drawing room, he flips her off. Yeah. It's improv. Completely improv He really got, he really got into that character. Yeah. You could tell. I mean, he was... There's no other character like him. Uh, no. No. Not really. Um, so the second date, he's sitting down with his mom and the woman, and he pulls out a butcher knife from his coat pocket and chops his hand off. Well, no, he, like, stares at her this entire time and, like, sprays breath, like, spray in his mouth and offers it to her and then sticks it back in his pocket and then pulls out the butcher. Like, it's this weird thing where he doesn't lose eye contact with her mm-hmm. and then chops off his arm which it was a fake hand but she didn't know that no no they're freaking out well his mom is just like oh come on <laughs> his mom is just, yeah she's she's over it she's done she she just she wants her her scotch and to go to bed well she uh, his mom then wants to enlist him in the army yeah we're gonna go with, uh, your uncle's solution. Yeah, you're gonna go to the army. So, uh, he goes to Maud for help, and they come up with a plan. So, when the uncle is telling, uh, Harold all about war and killing yeah, people. Harold gets overly excited about murdering and describes all the different ways to kill somebody and then take trophies, and the uncle starts getting really weirded out. And then he pulls out his severed. Like, one of those uh, shrinked heads. Yeah, he pulled out a shrunken head, and then we see Maud in there, and she's dressed in, like, a character who's protesting war. Yeah. So then they start playing their their game of, like, I'm gonna murder you, and <laughs> yeah. you're against war, and she's just like, ah! She steals his uh, shrunken, shrunken head. head. She's like, I'm gonna throw this disgusting thing in the sewer! <laughs> and his uncle is just... Like, whoa, kid. <laughs> Back it up. And so, like, they are having some physical altercations all the way down to the end of the pier. And um, they make it so it's like they kill Maud. Like, she yeah. falls down in this opening. Yeah, it make, but it makes it look like she falls off the cliff, essentially. Yeah. And so the uncle's, like, freaked out. Like, what did you just do? Yeah. You psycho. <laughs> Get away from me. Yeah. So that solves that problem. Because <laughs> you can't go out to war after committing murder. Mm-hmm. So they're on a blanket in this field after that, Harold and Maude. Mm-hmm. And he's like, man, I just want to do, like, somersaults. And she's just like, do it. Just let yourself go. Yeah. And they're, like, looking out at the sunset. And yeah. And it's very pretty. 
and she starts like howling like Tarzan and then they start running around and skipping. They're having fun. They're just doing what their bodies want to do, you yeah. know. And then when they're sitting down and talking, she's talking about something I don't know what, but that's when we see her concentration camp tattoo very very quickly and she's talking about some sort of Jewish it's in the trivia. I can look it up. Well, watching a sunset with Harold, Maud sees a flock of seagulls and refers to Dreyfus. Alfred Dreyfus, 1859 to 1935, a Jewish officer in the French army, was wrongly convicted of treason in 1894 and was sentenced to life in solitary confinement on Devil's Island. He was pardoned five years later and ultimately exonerated with when the evidence against him was proven false. The incident is seen by most historians as a revelation and indictment of French anti-Semitism, and its implications for French Jews still reverberate in France. The Dreyfus conversation coincides with Harold seeing Maud's concentration camp tattoo for the first time, which juxtaposes two of the most infamous instances of institutionalized European anti-Semitism of the 19th and 20th centuries, and strongly implies that Maud had been a Jewish concentration camp prisoner during World War II. So, I feel like it's stuff you have to know because they don't explicitly yeah. say it right It's out. like a quote from that trial, though, right? Yeah. That she says. Yeah, I can't, I can't think of it. It's in my brain. I know it is. Yeah, but that's when I was just like, holy crap, did you see that tattoo? <laughs> yeah, it's, it was very quick. Yeah. And then you're like, well, that's Maud. Sad backstory. <laughs> Dying inside. Then we have the third date. Third date, she's an actress named Sunshine, and he's showing her all the knives, and she's like, oh, what's this one? And he says, it's a Harry Carey knife. She says, what's that? So he starts performing a knife ceremony. He starts to commit seppuku. There it is. Because, it, well, it's when you basically commit suicide. You throw yourself on your blade. Yeah. And he does that, and she, since she's an actress, she starts cheering for him. And she starts um, performing Juliet. And then, so she stabs herself with the knife. Does she really stab herself? No, she, like, tests it out to see where, like, how it will retract first mm -hmm. when she, like, hits it up against her hand yeah. the first time. And then she, like, pretends to stab herself and falls to the ground pretending to die, um, like Juliet. And then his mother walks in and thinks that she, or he has killed his third date. <laughs> And she said, that was your final date. What am I going to do? Yeah. Doesn't care that she's dead. Yeah. It's just like, why? You are useless. <laughs> useless boy. And then uh, we're at an amusement park with Harold and Maude. And they uh, are having fun. And they're going on rides, talking about how fun they are. And he ma he's making her a little pressing. You know how you can go press uh, quarters and stuff? Yeah, it's but this you can like actually create your own instead of just the one design. Yeah, so when they're sitting on the car watching the stars in the dark, he gives it to her and it says um, Harold loves Maud. And Maud loves Harold. And, and so she throws it into the ocean. She says, that's all I'll always know where it'll be. <laughs> and then there's fireworks really cool like shot fireworks like they're like pulled out of focus and then go into focus on the fireworks so they had this really cool um like filter effect on them mm -hmm. to where they do that bubble that light bubble effect 
Yeah, and then the next morning we see them in bed together. <laughs> they just had sex, and it felt so good. He's all shirtless with his chest hair blowing bubbles. He had a lot of chest hair. Because he's 23, but he oh, looks like he's 13. I know, but like every time I see that scene, I'm just like, he should not have that much chest hair. <laughs> he has such a baby face. He does. He still has a baby face, and he's like 60 years old. I know, it's so off-putting. <laughs> That's what I'm gonna look like. You could always wear pigtails. You could always pull them off. Thank you, darling. You're welcome. So Harold goes home, and he's interrupting his mom on the phone, because she's always on the phone. Harold tells his mom... That he's gonna get married. That he's gonna get married. And she just is like, what? And then shows her the picture of Maude, and she's just like, what? You are crazy to the max. <laughs> like you're, are you, you're shitting with me, aren't you? Yeah. You're screwing with me. I can see this, right, 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 and then he just leaves the room. And then we see, and then we get the other male figures in his life telling him how wrong he is. We see the uncle, the therapist, and now the the priest. The priest was the most disturbing. Like, okay, so there's some disturbing shit in this movie, but the most disturbing thing was watching the priest describe having sex with her and why it's it's morally wrong and just the creepy slow zoom into his face into his i had to look away i think we were both looking away we had to close our eyes and just hide ourselves well and he looked like he was like leaning forward he's a hunchback yeah so he's like leaning forward but he's like looking down and it's weird like his shoulders are above his ears and it's just so weird and creepy and he's like sagging breasts and flabby, flabby buttocks. buttocks and like uh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> i think we kept saying go away yeah really like, make it stop it was the worst then it's the end of the week it's Maud's birthday 80th birthday for Maud, and harold has decorated uh her house with all these sunflowers. Handmade sunflowers. Mm-hmm. Very pretty. And he's got a table with champagne and presents. You know, he loves her. And she says, this is a wonderful farewell. And he's like, you're not going anywhere. <laughs> yeah. What are you talking about? And she's like, but I took the tablets an hour ago. I'll be dead by midnight. And it's pause, pause, pause. What? Cut. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but this is the first time you see, like, I, w- I don't want to say actual emotion, but actual terror. Anger. Anger, Ang- terror, yeah. just extreme. Anything from hysteria. him. Hysteria. Yeah. I mean, you've, we've now seen him happy, we've seen him sad. Yeah. But this was, like, terror. He was terrified. Yeah. So, it's intercut with him... He's in the ambulance. He's called the ambulance for her. And, well, the first part, he's he's called the ambulance for her. And he's saying, but I love you. And she's saying, that's great. Now go Go love love some more. Yeah. Go on and go love some more. Use what I've taught you well. And so it's just intercut with music and them arriving at the hospital and him driving. So it's just back and forth between him driving alone and... Him at the hospital, like holding her. Yeah, it's like this, goodbye. it's a really interesting montage, because you're already seeing the end result. You know she's gone. Yeah, 
It's super sad. He's yeah. sad. He's crying. He's crying, but he's, like, processing it. Like, because every time you go back, I guess you could call them, like, flash-forwards kind of thing, because they, they, the drive, the, him driving alone in his hearse, his Jaguar hearse, is, he's less and less sad. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so I don't and know And it's if less it's, and less rainy. Yeah. It starts to get sunnier. Yeah, I don't know if this was, like, all in one day. Like, maybe it was just that whole him processing and grieving. Like, that was what he used as his grieving process was the driving. And, yeah, he gets less and less sad until, like, that last shot of him where he, like, just does that, the, his smile and turns his head and then... I love it. We see the shot of the beach and the cliffside, and you went, oh, this is pretty. Yeah. (laughs) And then we see his car come flying over the cliff. And I was like... Oh, okay, because it's like that, it's, you know he's been tricking you this whole time, but you don't know for sure this time. Like, you do not know, you're questioning if Mm -hmm. he's tricking you again. Yeah, the crash is a brilliant, it completely destroyed the car, the crash, because it landed upside down on the beach, and then it just pans up, and there he is on top of the cliff, and I take that to be... There's a couple of ways to interpret the ending mm-hmm. I've read on IMDb, but I take it to be that the old Harold is dead, and then this is the yeah. new Harold, the happy Harold, and he's got his banjo, and he walks off, and he's got the new zest for life. Yeah, and he's, like, clicking his heels, and he's really, he's really having a good time of it. The other way to interpret it is that he did go over, and he is dead. <laughs> I don't see it that way. Yeah, neither do I. Because, just from the simple fact that he has been tricking us through the entire movie. And it was just, like, one last big hurrah. Yeah, and I think he had to kill the old Harold. Well, he did, and this is the first time where it's actually not in front of his mom. Mm Mm-hmm. He's getting rid of trying to force her to have the attention on him. He's going to find attention and love other places. I do kind of wish, but maybe it's not necessary because it's not how life works, that he resolved it with his mom. I liked that. I liked that it was so open-ended because once he kills off the old Harold, it's like getting rid of that, those childish wishes Mm -hmm. in a way. Like it feels like he's always wanted, he's always wanted his mother to show him the specific type of love that he's craved that he's never gotten before. But it's a very childish thing to continue to push for that because, um... Like, once you get older and you kind of realize that your parents are who they are and they're kind of set in their ways, they're not really going to change too much no matter how much you try. They just are going to love you the way that they love you. Mm-hmm. So it's it's almost like that. That's the message on that for that storyline on that end, that he's kind of just, he's accepting the way that it is and not going to let him, let it bring him down anymore. Yeah. So it was a sad and uplifting ending. We called it, right? Yeah, we really did. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but that one made you think. Yeah. It was a super deep, deep thinker of a movie. I still don't, like, it is a romantic comedy, but it isn't at the same time. Because it has, like, peppers of these really good, cool things. It's especially had, like, that one article that I read totally called it, Maud was a manic pixie dream girl. She was there to fix everything. But I mean... She also... But she was also a deep 
Manic Pixie Dream Girl. Yeah. It's kind of like in Breakfast at Tiffany's where you need the characters that come together. Mm Mm-hmm. I guess the better interpretation would be that she is the first Manic Pixie Dream Girl who everybody tried to rip off of and then just totally screwed up. (laughs) Because you didn't, they didn't add the depth. Hear that, Zach Braff. Oh, kind of like Garden's Day. It's a really dark version of Garden's Day. Yeah. It's, it, it is like a really dark version of a lot of things. Like, I can see a lot of things coming out of this. So, would you say it's just a really dark romantic comedy? Yeah. It's dark comedy for sure. Yeah. Oh, I don't think you can get much darker and still be funny. Yeah, it really towed the line. I think they call it absurdist humor. Yeah. I feel changed. I feel like we were, like, in cocoons mm-hmm. at the beginning, and now we have, like, spread our wings out, and we're now going to go off into the world. Yeah, this I, yeah, this one I'm going to be thinking about for a while. Oh, we're going to watch it again. You're going to buy it. I'm going to buy it. <laughs> I'm going to make Sam watch it, because I really want, like, his symbolism meter to, like, max out. And break off. Yeah. <laughs> And then him just to be, like, in the fetal position (laughs) on the couch, rocking back and forth as our dog stares at him in a very concerned fashion. I feel like it's, it's, like, the movie's ruined my day, but in a good way? I don't know. It's very, I don't know. I don't know how I feel still. I mean, I know how I feel, but I have feelings. Yeah, there's still things, I feel like we did a lot to process a lot of what we, we needed to process. It's less of that what-the-fuck moment. It's more of how are we, we going to cope with knowing that this exists in the world now? Exactly. <laughs> we just have to make other people watch it. Yeah. <laughs> we have to, like, have, like, Harold and Maude viewings, and we bring people, and then just be, like, sit and just watch them. Just lock them in a room. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta finish this movie. <laughs> Don't give up on it. And then just make them sit afterwards and talk about it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And then open their eyes and then just watch them be like, uh. I like this plan. Good. All right. Shall we rate it? Yes. This is the hardest part. I'm going to give it four and a half paper mache sunflowers. Oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> I'm going to cry. <laughs> Can I ask what you were feeling before we discussed? Two and a half. Wow. That's a big change. Because I didn't feel like it was a romantic comedy. It was so hard to put it in the context of what what I use to, to pick a rating for it. And, like, in the I loved the humor. I loved a lot of, like, the stylization and, and all of that. But, like, as a romantic comedy, it's not something that I would think of until now Mm -hmm. like now that we've kind kind of gone through and like the process of it just it's a completely different movie in my mind now i i'm gonna rate it for stolen trees oh (laughs) we need a drink yeah i'm wrecked (laughs) (laughs) next week we're amping it up we're gonna watch one of the most famous romantic comedies are you ready are you ready for this we're watching 1977's Annie Hall, mm-hmm. which surprisingly we have never seen before. I've seen it. 
Oh, you've seen it. I haven't seen it. I've seen clips. I've seen it once, and I think it was around the same time that I saw The Graduate, like when I was renting videos from the library. Oh, okay. On my summer vacation. (laughs) So, it's been a while. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, we've got a few thank yous today. For our Facebook friends, Justine's dad, who's gotten a lot of flack today. (laughs) Sorry, dad. (laughs) Um, he's been sharing and liking and all around being supportive, mm-hmm. as good dads should. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> Thanks, Justine's dad. Or as I like to call him, Papa Genderon. Papa Genderon. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, to my fiancé, Sam, who I guess we should just all around thank for letting us take over the apartment and the bedroom and the television. Mm-hmm. For thanks, these thanks for sharing the episodes with your friends and they don't know what's gonna hit them <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah we appreciate it um and then on twitter miss leah has always been helping us out since i think probably the beginning close to the beginning close to the beginning she's been she's our our twitter cheerleader yeah she really is she gets excited when we do movies that she knows <laughs> yeah Oof. which i think next week Maybe she'll like Annie Hall. I don't know. A I lot of people like have it. seen Annie Hall. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, thank you for all of those. If you want to be thanked in the episode, get on your social media horse and give us a shout out or some love or a comment. Mm-hmm. We like those. Mm-hmm. We appreciate them. Um, you can listen and download our episodes at thecutaways.com. You can also comment on the blogs, I think. So you can comment there if that's what you wish. Um, you can please leave us comments, rate us, and subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. I really like the Stitcher interface because you, um, you can play it from the website. Mm-hmm. You can download it. You can play it on the app. You can do a whole lot of things. So shout out to Stitcher for being awesome. Um, really like it. I've been using it at work. Um, we're also on Facebook and Twitter. You can find us as at Cutaways Podcast. Right. Those are all of our social media accounts. We'll be there to give you an internet hug. Oh, I like that. Especially if you watch Harold and Maude. We'll be there with, like, hot cocoa. Yeah, <laughs> and a blanket. And we might actually build a blanket fort with you. Yeah. 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 We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.